Okay, uh, before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Creator of all things, Lord over all, uh, we thank you uh, for your word and that we're able to, uh, through your word, uh, come to know you and to know your Son all the more uh, and all that you've revealed about creation and about uh, the nature of man and about uh, also about your uh, redemption uh, through your son. And I pray that uh, you give us all a hunger for your word uh, to read it and study it and think about it, uh, that we uh, discuss it with one another and uh, that we would uh, grow in the knowledge of you and we thank you for all of these things and pray that you'd bless us and build us up in your word. I pray in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so we are back in Genesis. Uh, and tonight we'll begin looking, at least begin, uh, looking at God's judgment of the man. Uh, and Lord willing... Uh, we'll just have uh, this time, uh, and then next time we're back in the book of Genesis, I hope to uh, wrap up uh, chapter 3 so that we can start uh, going into the, the rest of the book. Uh, and we'll pick up the, the pace a bit, but there, there will still be plenty, plenty to learn and see in uh, chapter 4 with Cain and Abel and uh, beyond. And so uh, we've been looking at the uh, judgments uh, after the serpent uh, deceived the woman uh, so that the uh, woman uh, took and ate from the tree that God forbid, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, also gave to her husband and uh, he sinned likewise. Then God questioned uh, the man and the woman, beginning with the man because uh, he had uh, the first responsibility over the of the garden that he put him in charge over. Uh, and that led back to the woman. He confessed but blamed uh, the woman and God. Uh, and then the woman blamed the serpent for deceiving her and she confessed. And this brought us to the judgments where uh, we're beginning to see uh, what's the culmination of all of this. Uh, now they have eaten from the tree uh, that's no longer an open-ended question. Uh, now, what's God going to do in response? And so uh, we've seen the, the judgments uh, of the serpent and the woman so far. Uh, and he began with the serpent uh, and didn't even uh, question uh, the serpent. Uh, he just went straight to the serpent uh, and placed a curse directly uh, upon him. Uh, and why he begins with the serpent, well, uh, it's probably partially because the serpent uh, instigated everything. He instigated uh, the whole deception, uh, and he rebelled against those uh, created in the image of God after his likeness, his rulers that he put over uh, the earth. Uh, and in that, he was really rebelling against God, trying to bring about their death their destruction to overthrow the rule of man and to overthrow the rule of God so that uh, he 
uh, could be a god himself. He could uh, take take rule and do uh, whatever's right in his own eyes. And so uh, he uh, bears the greatest uh, responsibility, at least for instigating all of these events. And God curses him directly uh, and really leaves him with uh, no hope. Uh, the, uh, the most clever uh, Arum of the beasts uh, becomes the most cursed uh, Arur of the beasts. Uh, and then he placed enmity between uh, the serpent and his offspring and the woman and her offspring. And that conflict will uh, continue uh, throughout the ages uh, far beyond uh, the, uh, their expulsion from the garden uh, even to this day. Uh, it still continues. And then he judged uh, the woman. Uh, and for the woman, he didn't even pronounce uh, a curse, not upon her, uh, not upon anything. He did judge her, uh, but uh, he did not pronounce uh, a curse upon her. Uh, and that's likely because uh, for the woman, uh, she uh, was deceived. Uh, and yes, yeah, she did sin. Uh, she deserves judgment. Uh, even the, the penalty of death would be appropriate, but uh, God, uh, uh, she doesn't bear the, the same uh, responsibility as the, the serpent uh, in the man. She uh, was uh, deceived. Uh, and for her, uh, she was a helper as the man's counterpart uh, and really got the gift of uh, being able to, to bear children, uh, motherhood, uh, to be, be a wife and uh, because of her rebellion, uh, eating from the tree, and also uh, encouraging her husband to join along with her, uh, God uh, punished her by, instead of multiplying her offspring, he multiplied her uh, painful toil uh, and hard labor in uh, childbearing. Uh, and so instead of the, the blessing, although she still retained some of God's blessing, now uh, there's the, the reminder of this penalty, of her uh, sin, uh, even, even through the, uh, the, the blessing uh, that God's going to use, uh, the, uh, the propagation of offspring, uh, children, uh, to preserve his blessing and ultimately uh, restore it uh, and defeat the, the serpent. Uh, and then uh, she, uh, we saw, will uh, have a conflict with her uh, husband. Uh, her desire will be for her husband, and he will rule over her. Uh, her desire, we saw, it's not a good thing. She wants to uh, control her husband. She wants to uh, dominate and uh, basically uh, overcome him. But God decrees uh, that the, the man will fulfill his uh, rulership uh, responsibility, but now in the context of conflict uh, in their Marriage, and so it's not it's not all a, a bed of roses. It's like the conflict with the uh, with the serpent and the, the woman. It, yeah, uh, there's the hope that eventually uh, her offspring will overcome the the serpent, but uh, we're going to see that it's going to result in the bloodshed 
of her second book, Abel. Uh, it's going to come with the loss of uh, sons and daughters and uh, violence and bloodshed throughout uh, history. And so uh, the, the conflict uh, between the woman and the serpent, their respective offspring, and her and her husband, uh, husbands and wives, uh, it's not, it's not uh, a good uh, thing. It's a reminder that they need uh, salvation. Uh, and then tonight uh, we'll be looking at uh, the God's judgment of the man. Uh, and God judges him last of all. Uh, he questioned him first and he judges him last. Uh, and if you think about it, uh, he began by questioning him. He's the one who had primary uh, responsibility and authority. And even though he sinned last, God began by questioning him, which led back to the woman, which led back to the serpent who started it all. And then he judges them uh, in the order of which they sinned. And the, the serpent even bears, uh, in some respects, the, the very greatest responsibility by instigating uh, everything and, and also uh, rebelling against those made uh, in God's image, his, his rulers, his vice regions. Uh, but then, uh, coming back to uh, the, the woman then sinned and he judges her, and then the man, he's also working uh, back, not just the order of their sin, but then uh, the woman was created and then the man before her, and he bears a final a responsibility uh, and so he comes all the way back uh, to the man, uh, completing the chiastic structure. If you remember, we spoke about uh, quite quite some time ago that uh, the man's God's questioning of the man uh, begins with man, it ends with his judgment of the man, uh, and then you have the question, God's questioning of the woman, and the judgment of the woman with the serpent at the middle, and he, he doesn't even uh, question him, but just judges him uh, immediately and shows him uh, no mercy. And so we will be seeing with the man that uh, he was uh, made, uh, the, the Adam, a uh, human, was made from the Adama ground to work the Adama ground. Uh, that was his source, and that was uh, it was part of his very responsibility to uh, to work uh, and to keep the the ground that uh, God had had made. Uh, he was a worker of the ground. He was a farmer, a, a gardener uh, of sorts. Although he he had rulership, stewardship over uh, over these things. Not not just some lowly uh, farmer, but uh, he had. Get uh, honor and indignity. Uh, not that farmers don't, but <laughs> uh, I don't want to gain trouble with any farmers. <laughs> and, and it is honorable. It goes all the way back to uh, to creation. It's part of uh, part of man's uh, role. And uh, one day, man will be placed uh, back over uh, the the creation. Will be subdued under uh, under his feet. And so uh, he sinned by. Uh, listening to the voice of his wife and eating from the tree uh, that God commanded him not 
to eat the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so now uh, the man will only eat through painful toil and hard, uh, strenuous, burdensome labor on the ground. Uh, and that's going to be his first punishment targeting his uh, created role that he, he rebelled against. Uh, since he didn't listen to God, he didn't uh, work and keep the ground, uh, but he ate from the tree that God forbid, now uh, he is only going to eat uh, through uh, his painful uh, toil. It's not going to come easily as it did in the garden uh, in uh, paradise uh, anymore. Uh, and then uh, we will also be uh, seeing, and this is part of the curse upon the, the ground. Uh, uh, and then we will also see with the, this curse upon the ground uh, that not only will eating and the production of food become uh, very difficult for the man, but there's going to be conflict between him and the ground that he's supposed to be uh, over into uh, work. Uh, and finally, uh, we will see uh, that the man's painful toil will end in his demise, his, his final uh, death. And, and we do allow the, the chewing of gum in this uh, class. We, we even, we, we highly recommend it, so. <laughs> but just be careful lest your jaw suffer painful toil and hard labor and chewing gum. So uh, I just want to quickly uh, look over uh, before we get into our passage. Let's just go back to chapter 2. I just want to take a look at the garden as God made it for the man uh, and what he enjoyed before so that we'll see the, the contrast about the, the, the judgment uh, that's going to come uh, upon him. Uh, there's no going back to Eden. Uh, there's no going back uh, to paradise. As D. Carson has said, uh, the way is not, it's not back, but it's forward. God leaves them with hope that one day uh, it, it will, the blessing will be preserved, it will be restored, but not by going back. And man is always, always trying to go back, as Grant Horner and others have said, even by our technology, our societies, uh, building uh, the, the Tower of Babel, uh, making, uh, making a name uh, for ourselves, always trying to, to, to improve our cause, to uh, live forever uh, to have abundant food and, and provision, uh, but to do it apart from God, but by our, our own ingenuity, our, our own wisdom. Uh, and we even see it with uh, very much with our uh, technology, uh, some even hoping really to, to live forever and preserve their lives through uh, medicine. But uh, we never go back uh, to Eden. We, we can't get there by ourselves. But uh, only uh, through Christ and only through uh, the redemption uh, in his, uh, his death, his substitutionary death on our behalf uh, and uh, the life that we share in his uh, re resurrection uh, that uh, one day uh, God is going to restore paradise. And so 
Uh, going back to chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 4, uh, we see the generations of the heavens and the earth. And uh, this is a transition where uh, in the creation account, uh, it was looking at all of creation at large, the six days and the seventh day of rest, but now focusing um, really specifically uh, on uh, man, uh, the very pinnacle of God's creation. Uh, and as his steward is so central to God establishing uh, his rule and his blessing over all of creation. And so uh, in verse 5, uh, we uh, begin to read uh, about the, the condition uh, before man was uh, made. Uh, and it says, uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man uh, to work the ground, uh, but a, a mist or a spring would go up from the land and would water the whole face of the ground. Uh, and here, it's really, uh, now there, there was no, uh, there was not yet a bush of the field and no, no, uh, no plant uh, had yet uh, sprung up or, or uh, vegetation. Uh, and here, there, there's discussion about how does this relate to uh, the, the creation account? And uh, are these things that uh, these, uh, the bush of the field and the, the plant of the field, uh, were they created on day three or did they only come after the fall? Uh, and what we know for sure is, is Matthew says, he go more at the latter, so John MacArthur. But uh, we know that these are the conditions before man was created. Uh, and the primary reason that these things were, uh, were absent uh, was uh, uh, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. There, there was not, he hadn't caused it to rain yet. Uh, and he hadn't, uh, he hadn't uh, formed the, the man to uh, work the ground. That, that's the primary reasons that Moses gives us at this, uh, at this point, uh, why these are not there. They're uh, most likely cultivated uh, plants. Uh, and it's possible that the, the plants may have just been dormant from uh, day, day three and just uh, really awaiting, uh, awaiting the, the man. Uh, but if you're just reading through here the, the first time and you're just reading, you know, starting at the beginning and, and just working your way through, at this point, you, you really wouldn't know that there's anything necessarily bad or, or off here. Uh, the bushes of the field, there, there's not anything necessarily wrong with, with that, you know, he created all the, the plants, uh, plants good, and uh, also the small plants of the, the field, uh, and even the causing it to, to rain on the land. Well, uh, rain is something that uh, God's going to uh, bring about uh, for good to uh, water, uh, to water the, the land, and uh, the man, uh, the work is not necessarily bad. Uh, as we keep reading, we'll see that he places them in the garden to work and to keep it. Work was something that was already good uh, because God himself is a worker. 
uh, in man made in his image, uh, is made to work. Uh, God worked for six days uh, in the creation uh, before uh, resting. Uh, and so work itself is, is good, and there's nothing necessarily bad. However, as we keep reading, uh, we're going to see that uh, there's uh, that uh, bad things also come in, where there, there's a change, where now uh, the, the man uh, eating the plants of the field is now going to come with a painful toil uh, in sweat and thorns and thistles. Uh, and now, because of his sin, it becomes uh, a, a problematic thing. It becomes part of the judgment, part of the curse uh, upon the, the very ground uh, and his work that he was made to do. And so now work, which was originally good, uh, becomes uh, becomes corrupted. It becomes tainted because of the man's sin uh, in the, the judgment that God places upon him for rebelling uh, against him. So what was originally good now becomes uh, something uh, that becomes uh, difficult uh, and even a punishment. Uh, in the rain, as we'll later see, a rain which was originally something that was good and, and can still be used for good. Uh, it's part of God's blessing to, to bring the uh, the early rains and the, the latter rains uh, for the, the harvest and the early and late portions of the season. But we're also going to see that the rain and the water can be used for destruction uh, in the flood. Uh, and so here, maybe not all of that's clear, but then later as we're reading, uh, it kind of alludes back, and now these things uh, become uh, not not completely good, but they can be used for judgment uh, and punishment because of uh, sin. Uh, and so then, uh, in the rest of chapter 2, it's really about, it, and there was no man to work the, the ground. Uh, and that's the thing that God uh, resolves in the rest of chapter 2. Uh, two. And let's just uh, read through this part with man just to see the, uh, the, the garden, his original uh, state uh, in the, the garden. Uh, but uh, a spring uh, would go up from the land and uh, would water the whole face of the ground. Uh, then uh, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And uh, the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, uh, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Uh, and out of the ground uh, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Uh, the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so now he's in this uh, fruitful, thriving habitat, thriving with uh, vegetation and life and the trees. And uh, we could even go back to the creation account with day three, uh, with the, the vegetation that he filled uh, all of the earth with for all of the animals and all of the creatures uh, and the plants. And at the end of day six, he, uh, after making the man finally blessing him, putting him over the creation, he then provided man uh, and the animals with the vegetation and with the trees 
uh, for consumption, for uh, their, their good. And uh, here, uh, the man uh, had everything. God gave him life. Uh, and every every tree uh, that was pleasant to the sight and good for food, uh, all all beauty, all uh, sustenance to uh, sustain him, to, to live and satisfy him, uh, a tree of life to uh, continuously sustain his life in the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good uh, and evil. And then uh, verses 10 through 14, uh, we just see a little more of the scenery. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bidelium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gishon. Uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Uh, here it's a watered land uh, where we already saw the, the springs uh, in the garden to water it. And that God would give, give the rains. But here just even with the springs and the rivers uh, flowing uh, throughout, uh, this is a fruitful, a thriving a verdant land full of a greenery, full of a vegetation, full of life uh, for the man and for all of the, the creatures. And even the gold and bedellium and onyx stone, uh, those are rich minerals and ores uh, for, for man to, to use and to uh, enjoy. And as some scholars have pointed out, some of these things are uh, actually depicted right in the uh, tabernacle. Uh, and in the, uh, the the creation, the materials that they used for within the, the tabernacle and the vessels, uh, like the ark, the table of the uh, showbread or the, the bread of presence, uh, signifying God's provision and presence uh, with his people. Uh, and the, uh, the candles, uh, there are even things like uh, figs and such that were worked in uh, uh, throughout. And we'll maybe be looking a little more of that uh, next week, some of these things of the, the tabernacle that are drawn from the creation into the tabernacle, where now Israel dwells in the land with God, uh, representing his presence and provision uh, with uh, them. Uh, but then Moses also might be drawing some things from the, the tabernacle a little bit uh, into the, the, the garden just to uh, show uh, that this was rig originally the, the original state of man, uh, living in the very presence of God and enjoying his rich, abundant provision uh, for life, sustenance, beauty, and everything. And then verse 15, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, uh, the garden of delight, uh, to work it and keep it. And so he was made to, to work. Uh, the, the man wasn't around yet to work and uh, keep the land and now God places him as his uh, steward uh, to care for uh, for the, the garden uh, and to uh, oversee this uh, rich paradise where all of his needs were uh, provided for. And so work was not at all a, a bad thing, uh, but it also it wasn't it wasn't a burdensome and toilsome uh, and he didn't uh, 
just survive by the, the very sweat of his uh, brow. In verse 16, uh, we see the commandments of God, uh, his provision and prohibition. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, uh, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so everything was provided for him. God basically, uh, with the whole earth and all that filled it, all the animals, all the trees, everything that he needed for, for life uh, and joy uh, in, in the presence of God, uh, God gave him everything. He created everything and gave him uh, everything to rule over on his behalf. Uh, honor and dignity and uh, authority over all of these uh, things even though he's just he's just a creature he just made him from from the dust and gave him life God owes him him nothing but he did prohibit one thing and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, and if you think about what is true knowledge of good and evil what's what's true wisdom uh, for the man would it be to uh, to rebel against God uh, and to eat from it and bring upon him the uh, penalty of sin, condemnation, and death? Is that is that true wisdom? Is that true knowledge? Well, no. A true knowledge and true wisdom uh, is the fear of the Lord. Uh, if he feared God, uh, if he trusted God, trusted his word, his commandments, his provision for him and was satisfied with it, and God gave him everything he needed, uh, that would be true wisdom and true knowledge. But uh, they sought to have a, a false wisdom, uh, a, a knowledge that comes independently from God by uh, not trusting God's word uh, and obeying him, by not eating from the tree, but by grabbing the one thing that God restricted from him. You can have everything, just not this. Um, by taking that one thing, saying, no, God has no right to tell me uh, what I can do, but I am going to take it. How dare he withhold this tree from me? How dare he withhold knowledge of good and evil from me? Uh, to know it independently of God, to do whatever's right in my own eyes, uh, and really to make myself God, to make myself king uh, independently of him. And so there's an independent knowledge uh, and experiential. By eating, now they're even convicted of their sin. Now they've actually done evil, uh, and they know it. Uh, their consciences uh, inflict them and tell them uh, that they have sinned against God and that they're guilty uh, and that they deserve uh, death and they uh, they have guilt and shame uh, over that. But we know that the man uh, and his wife uh, ate from the tree. And so this now leads to the man's judgment on the question of what is God going to do now? Uh, uh, is he going to judge him? And is the man uh, going uh, to 
die, uh, as God said. And so let's just read through uh, beginning in verse 8, through the judgments. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they sinned now, and now they're, uh, they, they've tried to clothe themselves uh, to hide and cover their guilt and shame, and now they're, they're hiding. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children, for I will surely multiply your uh, painful toil or travail in childbearing, in Hard labor you shall bring forth, children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain our painful toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So this brings us to the uh, judgment of the man. And we're going to see, uh, first God's going to give the 
basis or reason for the judgment that's to follow. Uh, and then uh, we'll see the, the curse. And with this curse, uh, we'll see that first, uh, the uh, result of this is that the man will only eat through painful, difficult, hard toil, a strenuous uh, labor and exertion. Uh, and then secondly, uh, that there will be conflict between him and the, the ground. Uh, and thirdly, uh, that the, the man's uh, painful toil and conflict will end in his death. He's going to return to the ground. So first, in verse uh, 17, uh, let's look at the basis for the man's uh, judgment. So verse uh, 17 uh, into Adam, he said, uh, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Uh, in painful toil, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So uh, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Uh, and here... This is the reason for the curse, for the judgment that's to follow. Uh, it sets up this reason uh, is basically the whole uh, context for everything uh, that follows. Uh, we're to read the judgment and the curse, uh, the pronouncements against the man in this context. Uh, because uh, of these things that he did, this is why he's being judged this is why uh, he's being cursed. And really, th there are almost two reasons, but they're, they're kind of one in the, the same. Uh, they build on one another. Uh, first we see, uh, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. Then second, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Really, that's one and the same. By by listening to the voice of his wife, what was he listening to her about? What, what was it that uh, she was telling him and encouraging him uh, to do? Well, it was to eat of the tree that God commanded not, not to eat, that God, that God forbid. And so the, the two are very uh, closely uh, connected. This is really uh, the content of what he listened to his wife about, about you should eat from the tree. When God commanded, you you shouldn't. And now, here I want you to notice that going back to uh, God's questioning of the man and the, the excuse that the, the man made, God's really turning uh, his excuse in confession uh, against the man. Uh, he's turning it right on its uh, head. And so, uh, back in uh, verse uh, 9, uh, we see that God uh, begins questioning him. He gives the first question. Uh, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And that was really uh, drawing him out. What, why are you at? Where you're at? Why are you hiding among the trees? Uh, that's odd. You shouldn't be there. There's something wrong. And so the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. Well, they'd never, being naked wasn't something that they would hide themselves 
about before in the garden because they were innocent. They had no reason uh, to be ashamed or have guilty consciences because they haven't sinned yet. And so there was no fear uh, before God in their nakedness, uh, in their innocence. But now they've sinned and the man has, uh, he doesn't give the, really the, the, the exact reason why he is where he is, but he kind of lets slip that he knew that he was naked. That's why he's hiding from, from God. And so God uh, followed up and asked, uh, he said, verse 11, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Uh, and here, well, the man, uh, he, he really answers, uh, have, have you eaten? Of, of the, the tree? Uh, of course, no one told him uh, that he was naked. Uh, he knows it because he sinned. Uh, have you eaten of the, of the tree? And, uh, the man, uh, he explicitly blames his wife, but implicitly blames God, as, as we've spoken about. Uh, he says, uh, the woman uh, whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. She's the one who gave me the fruit of the tree, uh, and so he's explicitly blaming her. She did it. She gave me the fruit. I, I didn't take it for myself. Uh, she's the one who, who did it. But implicitly by saying, he doesn't say my wife did it. And normally maybe call her my, my wife or, or the woman. Uh, you could say the woman. Uh, but no, the woman whom you gave to be with me. She, yeah, she gave me the fruit of the tree. But you gave me the woman, and if you hadn't have done that, these things wouldn't have happened. And so he's distancing himself from his wife uh, and connecting her to, to God, uh, trying to trying to uh, shake off uh, some of the some of the blame, uh, so that he uh, he doesn't uh, hopefully get get in quite as much trouble, and maybe he can even get off the the hook here. And so. Uh, then uh, the the woman uh, she she confessed and blamed the serpent. God judged the serpent, judged the woman. And now he is back uh, to the man. And uh, how does uh, God uh, think about uh, the man's? Uh, how does he respond to man's excuse and confession uh, that he presented uh, to God? So the man said, uh, the, the, uh, "The the woman whom you gave to be with me, uh, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I uh, I ate." And does God now? Does he say, uh, oh, uh, the woman whom I gave to be with you, she gave you the further tree and you ate? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened. I, I didn't realize that, that th this would come about and I gave you the woman and she gave you the, if I hadn't have given you the woman, this wouldn't have ever happened. Oh, I am so sorry about this. Uh, really, it's it's all my fault. And uh, is there anything I can do to to make it right? Let me go think about it. I'll, I'll think it over. I'll find a way to make this right. And uh, you know, I'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out. No, 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 no. God does not. Uh, he does not take the the man's excuse and take the blame upon uh, himself. But he turns the man's confession right against him. And so uh, the man had said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, uh, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. 
And now God in verse 17 says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Uh, and so uh, the man, his excuse is that uh, the woman gave me the fruit and you gave me the woman. But God uh, responds, and because you listen to her, you're guilty. I'm holding you accountable for listening to her. I'm, I'm holding you accountable uh, for both things. I commanded you not to eat from it, and you did. Uh, and when your wife came uh, preaching rebellion against me, you listened to her instead of me. I am holding you accountable for both things, listening to her and disobeying me and eating uh, from the tree. Uh, and so the judgments uh, that uh, follow uh, all of these things come back upon the, the man, uh, even his own uh, his own uh, excuse to try to uh, try to to wiggle out of it or lessen uh, his responsibility uh, in the matter now comes back upon uh, his own head and becomes the uh, part of the very basis for God's judgment uh, upon him uh, that follows, and so uh, God uh, he's not to blame. Uh, he's not the one on trial here. Uh, but the man uh, is the one who has sinned and rebelled. Uh, he's on trial, uh, and he's the one who's going to be uh, judged. And so uh, it didn't uh, lighten uh, his blame uh, by blaming his wife, but only, only made it worse, put him in hotter water with God. And so this now brings us uh, to the curse. Uh, and we'll see uh, with the first part uh, that now uh, the man's uh, eating, uh, producing uh, food from the, the land uh, is only going to come with a painful, strenuous uh, exertion, uh, sweat, blood, and tears. It's going to be very uh, difficult. And so, verse 17 again. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In painful toil, eats of own, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And so now, God, uh, he, he doesn't curse the man. Uh, as he did the serpent, uh, doesn't place a curse uh, directly uh, upon him, but he curses the ground, uh, the ground that uh, was part of his very responsibility uh, to work uh, into keep. Uh, he places the curse upon uh, the ground, uh, and he doesn't curse the man uh, out of his... Uh, grace uh, in in mercy. Uh, he he's certainly judging him, certainly punishing him, uh, and he even pronounces a curse. So it's really really bad, and it's going to end with his death uh, because of these things. So it's very serious. But God is going to preserve uh, his blessing, uh, and there's the hope that one day he will uh, restore it. And so. Unlike the serpent who has absolutely no hope, God places a curse directly upon him. 
just as he's going to curse uh, Cain uh, and curse uh, Ham's son, Canaan, on the Canaanites that descend from him, on the man right now, uh, the curse falls upon the ground, uh, tied to his responsibility as a worker of uh, the ground. Uh, and he also, he curses because uh, it is serious. The man's, the man's rebellion uh, is serious, but uh, he doesn't place it right upon the man. And so uh, now uh, we see accursed is the ground uh, because of you. Uh, it's because of him, uh, because of what he's done. Now the ground is cursed. And the first result of that that we see uh, is that in painful toil, itzavon, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Uh, he ate from the tree that God forbid, the, the X. And so now uh, he is going to eat only in itzavon, in painful toil and difficulty, trying to bring forth food and sustenance from the ground. God doesn't fully remove his provision for the man, but now he only uh, brings it about, uh, ekes it out through, through great difficulty uh, in working the ground day after day and week after week and month after month, year after year, decades, centuries uh, for the, the first, first men just to survive and make a living and to continue, which was nothing like paradise where they were surrounded with beauty and sustenance and God's overwhelming, overflowing, abundant provision for them. And God doesn't, doesn't fully remove it, but it's certainly not paradise anymore. Uh, and it's only through Itzavon, uh, rhyming again with Etz, uh, just along with the woman we saw with her, that God said, uh, multiplying, I will multiply your Itzavon, your painful toil, and your childbearing. Uh, in Etzev, in hard labor, you shall give birth to children. Uh, and so for her connecting uh, the, the multiplication of offspring, the blessing, now comes punishment for eating from the ets, the, the tree, and giving to her husband. Uh, and so now uh, her role as a mother uh, only comes uh, with painful toil and hard labor, etzevon and etzev. And same for the man's role as a worker of the ground, uh, as a farmer and steward over uh, the, the, the ground and the earth that uh, God set him over. Uh, and in uh, Genesis 5 uh, with uh, Lamech, uh, in uh, verse 28, uh, Lamech was the uh, father of Noah. Uh, he refers back to this uh, curse. And so verse 28, uh, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son uh, and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Uh, Lamech lived, uh, after he fathered Noah, 595 years. Uh, and he had other sons and daughters. Um, 
And then uh, he talks about he died, uh, 777 years. And so, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work, our hard labor, and from the painful toil of our hands. Uh, the, the work that they had to do to bring forth food and just to make a living, uh, it hurt. And he even talks about the painful toil of our hands. Our, our hands bear the brunt of this work. Uh, and ache and hurt just trying to provide food for us, for our wives, for our families, for our children uh, to uh, enjoy uh, the, the blessing that God has preserved uh, and to live so that God's blessing could continue and be preserved. Uh, but ultimately, they go back to the ground uh, and die. Uh, and as we'll see uh, in Genesis 5, uh, really, it's a whole, there's a whole chorus of death uh, throughout the entire chapter. Uh, Adam uh, lived so long, uh, he had a son, Seth. Uh, and he lived this much longer, had other sons and daughters, and he died. Uh, and this one, he, uh, he lived this long, he had a son. Uh, he then lived this much longer, had other sons and daughters, and he died and he died and he died and he died uh, it's just a chorus and echo of death uh, for the the state of humanity uh, going all the way to Noah in an earth that was filled with violence uh, and death from man but Enoch walked with God uh, and God he was not for God took him uh, hope that uh, that uh, there might be life, uh, maybe the hope of the resurrection uh, there. And so uh, now uh, the man uh, in his uh, responsibility as a worker of the ground, a uh, farmer and steward, uh, now comes with a great difficulty just like the woman in childbearing. And although uh, motherhood and fatherhood and work are not punishments of God in and of themselves it's the painful toil that now comes comes with them and so uh, now this brings us uh, now seeing that the, the man uh, is going to, to suffer uh, painful toil and eating eating and provision and food is only going to come uh, with difficulty now we see the conflict between uh, the man and the ground so in verse 18. I'll just read the couple lines right before it. Uh, Cursed is the ground because of you. In painful toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. By the way, that's his entire life, his long, long life, in which he's going to, to suffer uh, this punishment and reminder of his sin. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Uh, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you turn to the ground. And so verse 18, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. Uh, and now, uh, in the garden, uh, there was no such thing as thorns and thistles. Uh, it is the first time that they have ever uh, been mentioned. 
uh, in this is part of the curse now. Uh, and if you think about this, th these are things that thorns and thistles would uh, rise up uh, and uh, is uh, one scholar, uh, Nahum Sarna, uh, he's uh, actually a Jewish uh, scholar, I was just talking about how uh, thorns and thistles that they would really, uh, they would take up and shade the, the plants and soak up the, the moisture and the, the nutrients uh, of, of the, the, the plants and the provision that you want to grow uh, and even uh, choke them out, kind of like in the, the parable that Christ talks about, that the uh, the uh, thorns and thistles, the, the weeds rise up and they uh, they choke out the, the plants. Uh, he's just drawing from uh, analogies from uh, from farming, something that they'd be very uh, familiar with. Uh, and so these are very undesirable things, uh, whereas in paradise, uh, there was abundant food and provision and vegetation and everything was watered uh, and the man had everything that he needed and it would have been a delight to work uh, in the garden. It would have been meaningful work uh, just as God worked and it was very meaningful and he provided for his creatures and creation uh, to his glory. And the, the man would be able to uh, provide and tend uh, the, the earth. Uh, as uh, uh, Albert Moeller, a preacher, uh, has uh, said, uh, the, the earth, it was created really as a garden to, to be kept. Uh, it wasn't meant to be left alone, but the, the man was, uh, was put over it. It was a, a garden. Uh, but now uh, there are thorns and thistles, and it's the, it's the very uh, earth uh, that has now been cursed, the, the ground that he's to uh, work uh, from which he came. Uh, now... It's the ground that brings forth these thorns and thistles. And it really sounds like the ground is no help at all. It's, it's kind of an adversary. It's an, it's an enemy. It's against the man. It, it doesn't even say that the ground brings forth. It brings forth fruit-bearing trees or uh, brings forth uh, vegetation and plants to eat. No, the, 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 the ground now, uh, thorns and thistles uh, it shall bring forth for you. It's, it's against the man. It, it's kind of... Uh, waging war against him. It's, it's, it's hostile. Uh, it brings forth things that he doesn't want. And it's the ground that he was originally to be over and that was to bring forth a fruitful harvest and the, the trees and the food and uh, life and beauty and, and these things. Uh, but now, thorns and thistles. Uh, and what about the, the man? Uh, he says, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. See, the ground is no help. It, it, it's kind of like the ground's going to bring forth uh, all these things that don't want and that are against the things that you do want, that you want to eat, but you shall eat the plants of the field. So uh, in your struggle, uh, in contest with the ground, trying to make it bring forth good things, uh, you will you'll eat from that. Whatever you can happen to get out of it, these plants, uh, you will eat. And uh, as uh, Pastor Bob uh, has said and uh, kind of talked about, really thorns and thistles and weeds, they, they grow whether you want to or not. Uh, those they're, they're guaranteed to, to grow, whether you have a lawn or a garden or a plot of, plot of land. Uh, it really doesn't matter what you do. Uh, they, they like water. They like fertilizer. If, if it's dry, they, they'll still grow. The, the things you want, they, they tend to die. You, you have to fight to, to bring those about, and you have to yank out you know, the, the weeds and thorns and thistles. Uh, and even uh, with 
these days, even weed killer and stuff, uh, they, they, they're very resistant. Uh, and so uh, now the man, in his contest with, with the ground, uh, he will eat uh, what he can bring forth. And the, uh, you shall eat the plants of the field. And plants of the field, that goes back to, to where we saw that now there, uh, there was no uh, bush of the field or plant of the field for uh, God had not yet uh, formed the man to uh, work the ground and he had not caused it to, to rain. Uh, and now uh, the, the plants of the field, now it becomes something that's in contrast to what was provided him in the garden uh, freely. Uh, all of the good trees with everything you could ever uh, want or need as far as beauty and sustenance. And uh, as we spoke about, even thinking about our own days, uh, the things that, that grow, the, it's astonishing. Uh, avocados uh, to uh, bananas and uh, pomegranates and coconuts and just the wild variety of, of things that uh, sustain life and almonds and uh, that can grow from, from trees and, and vegetation. And uh, we actually live in a Genesis 3 world. We, we live in the world with the thorns and thistles. We, we can't even imagine what the garden was like that, uh, that he was in. Uh, we, we can just think of some of the, the good things that still remain of God's uh, good provision uh, with all the thorns and thistles and, and difficulty. Uh, and so uh, now uh, the, the plants are in the very, uh, uh, they're, they're contrasted now with what was, what was in uh, the, the garden. Uh, and now, uh, seeing that the, the ground is going to be uh, no help, uh, is going to really be uh, his, his enemy, his, his adversary, his opponent uh, in all of this, uh, now uh, we see that uh, his uh, the outcome of his painful toil and eat, eating will continue all his life until he dies. It's going to result in his eventual death. So, verse 19. Um, I'll just uh, read verse 18 again, then, then through 19. Uh, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So uh, it's only going to come, uh, again as we saw before, by painful toil. Now by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Uh, earlier, uh, in painful toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Now, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. And so, just imagine when you think about these words, like uh, eat savon and the, the, the hard, painful, strenuous exertion uh, in all of this. And the sweat that's involved, uh, just think about the, the, the hardest labor that you've ever done or that, that people do. Uh, working under the very heat of the, the sun, uh, toiling away long, long hours, digging and aching and hurting uh, to bring forth food, uh, and that sometimes uh, you, you even have, you have droughts, uh, and you, you can even have starvation 
from these things and famines. And that's something we'll see throughout the book of Genesis, where there, there are periods of famine, where there, there's famine in the land and Abraham, he went to Egypt. Uh, he, he left the land. This is the promised land. There's famine. And, uh, with Joseph, there were seven years of famine that were so dire that God used Joseph to preserve many people alive. It, it's kind of kind of a foretaste that uh, when he says to Abraham, in you all the nations will be blessed, where even preserves these peoples in Egypt uh, and uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants uh, in the land through Joseph. And by preserving them, he's going to multiply them. Uh, and there's going to eventually come the Exodus when he brings them out of the land. But there were seven years of dire famine. And so sometimes even working as hard as you possibly can, you can't even guarantee that there will be food. And it's it's a blessing for God uh, to give the uh, the, the early rains and the latter rains uh, into uh, give the provision of food. Uh, they're still dependent on him. It's still a uh, God-given, this food that uh, they're able to bring out by their own work. Uh, he's given them their bodies. He's given them their capa capacity to work. He gives uh, the rain. He gives the, uh, the, the, the seasons, the cycles, uh, the uh, falls, uh, the winters, the springs, the, the summers uh, around the year to uh, give them this uh, food. And so now uh, he says, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. It will only come with great sweat uh, in pain and difficulty until you return to the ground all his life. And they lived a long time in those <laughs> in in those days. But even then, well, is death a relief? Well, not necessarily. Uh, if if your hope and trust is in God, uh, we, we see we see with Enoch, God took him. Uh, he he had walked with God and God took them. There's hope that God's going to restore his blessing. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we see that God promises them, to you I will give this land. They didn't receive the land. They only he gave them plots for tombs to be, to be buried in. That's not quite what God had promised. And so there's hope uh, and for, for those that, that trust in God, uh, but uh, for those uh, who don't and whose trust uh, isn't in Christ, uh, death uh, isn't even rest, but they only uh, await a judgment uh, to be judged for all of their sins. Uh, before a holy and righteous God. Uh, but uh, here, uh, some of that, it, it awaits. Uh, to keep reading in, in Genesis, where we'll see these things start start to develop till you return to the ground. And uh, death was not a good thing. It was a penalty for sin. It wasn't the natural state of things. They had life in the garden with the tree of life in the presence of God. And then, uh, so he says, uh, till you return to the ground. And uh, here uh, there is a chiastic uh, structure. Uh, till you return uh, to the ground, uh, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, uh, till you return to the ground. 
it's going to end with uh, returning. Until uh, you return to the ground, A. B, for out of it you were taken. B, for you are dust. Uh, A, into dust you shall return. Returns to the ground, returns to the dust. He was taken from the ground. Uh, he is dust. Uh, he is uh, basically what was taken from the, the very dirt uh, of the, the ground. Uh, and here, uh, you think about this, till you return uh, to the ground. Uh, that's where the man was taken. Uh, that's where God uh, took the man. The, the woman was, uh, the Isha was taken from the Ish, the, the man, uh, to help the Ish, the, the man. But uh, the man, or human, the Adam, was taken from the Adama to work uh, the Adama, a uh, ground. Uh, and now, uh, really, God, he, he, he took him there. He, he, was, he was made of the same created stuff that everything else was. Uh, the, the same uh, as the, the animals, basically. Uh, and the difference was with the woman is she shared in his humanity. Uh, she shared uh, in uh, the, the image of God, uh, just like the, the man. And there, there's only one human race. Uh, but uh, humans uh, go all the way back uh, to the ground. They were made of the same created stuff, matter, that everything else. Uh, they're not... They're not God, but they're they're created. Uh, they come from the same created stuff that's all dependent upon God. Uh, and God doesn't come from created stuff. He he exists independently of everything. Everything else is a created. Uh, and so now uh, God says he's he's going to do this till he returns. Uh, uh, his his source was the ground. That's where he came from. Uh, in that's what he is, and now that is his destination. That is where he's going to return. Uh, and it was taking him from, from the dust of the ground that God breathed into him the, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, because of his sin, because of his rebellion against God, uh, cosmic treason against God, now it deserves uh, the penalty for treason, the, the very penalty of death. And so uh, God says, till you return to the ground, for out of it you, you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And of course, he, he was more than dust. Yeah, he was taken, uh, he was taken from the dust. He's made, made of it, the same created stuff. But God breathed into him the breath of life. Uh, he made him in his image, after his likeness. But God is basically saying that Ultimately, you are just a creature. You are just a created being. Uh, I gave you life, uh, and you rebelled. And so, ultimately, you're just dust. That's all that you are. You're just created stuff. And you are going to return from where you came. Uh, and here, uh, we, we'll touch on this a bit more uh, because we're uh, running out of time. Uh, we'll touch on more uh, 
next week, uh, Lord, Lord willing. Uh, but uh, here we will see and um, we'll raise more questions about when God said that the man uh, dying, uh, you will die. A part of that we see is that God is going to uh, basically remove uh, the tree of life from the man. Uh, the provision of life uh, is removed uh, and ultimately the man is going to go back uh, to uh, the dust. He is going to return and suffer uh, the, the penalty of death. But we will also see that in verse uh, 20 and uh, 21 uh, that uh, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve uh, has to do, he's tying in with life. Uh, she's going to be the very source of life uh, and humanity. And so there's hope here that he sees from what God has said. Uh, and then it says, uh, in the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothe them. Uh, he's going to have to provide them with something that's much more substantial than what they covered themselves with to, to cover their sin and guilt and shame and nakedness uh, before a holy and righteous God. Uh, now, he himself, he's going to take it upon himself uh, to cover uh, them. I think very clearly we see here that there's an implicit sacrifice. Uh, it's part of the uh, sacrificial system that we're going to see uh, God making provision for them. Yes, they, they will eventually die, but even yet, God is going to uh, preserve his blessing, not fully remove it. And uh, the hope that one day, through the woman's offspring, uh, through her line, her righteous chosen line, that the earth will one day be filled uh, and uh, God's creation blessing will be restored and fill the entire uh, earth uh, and that her offspring uh, through it uh, will overcome sin, evil, uh, and the serpent uh, and enjoy God's full blessing and provision and presence uh, once more uh, before, uh, before him. And, as we've studied in great detail, uh, this goes through the Israelites. Uh, it also goes uh, through Judah and Perez uh, and uh, through uh, through Ruth and Boaz, uh, and David uh, in the the Davidic line and his uh, his offspring that uh, were uh, in this line but fell far short. Uh, and we uh, we and the the prophets awaited uh, a king who was truly. A righteous uh, and perfect uh, and one who would bear the, the sins of his people and represent uh, them. And that's uh, the Lord Jesus uh, Christ uh, who, who uh, bears our sins uh, upon the, the cross uh, so that uh, the fine, uh, the debt that we owed for our sin, uh, he removes it, he pays it. Uh, we, we couldn't pay it, it was too, too great. And for, for us, uh, it would have meant uh, eternity in hell under God's judgment. Uh, and we would have continued in sin and unbelief uh, forever and ever. But uh, through his death on our behalf, uh, his substitutionary sacrifice and his resurrection, 
uh, by trusting and hoping in him as the uh, one true savior uh, and mediator between uh, God and man. Uh, we know that he uh, will re represent us and save us to the uttermost. And it's not by anything that we have done, not by works, but uh, it's only by the very grace, the, the, the free, unmerited favor and gift of God. Uh, and just by trusting uh, in Christ and in his uh, perfect, once-for-all sacrifice and salvation for the forgiveness of sins. And so, uh, Lord willing, uh, we will continue next time, and uh, we may even finish. I'm, I'm aiming to uh, uh, finish up uh, Genesis chapter 3, and it's been a, been a long time uh, coming, and so I'm looking uh, forward to that uh, very much, and we'll uh, see what's uh, left to, to learn, and uh, th there will still be uh, things left left to learn. <laughs> we'll, we'll still uh, maybe revisit it sometimes as we work through uh, the rest of Genesis. So let's uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for for your word. I thank you uh, for your uh, prophet Moses, uh, through whom you spoke these words as you carried him along by by your Holy Spirit. And uh, it's really the very, very words that uh, he has put down uh, that uh, are are your words. Uh, they're the, the very, very words that uh, in your uh, providence that you intended to uh, speak and to convey to your people. I pray that you'd teach us and instruct us and that we wouldn't have uh, rebellious hearts, uh, that uh, we wouldn't uh, desire what, what you have uh, forbid, uh, that we wouldn't be uh, in unbelief and rebellion against you and your word, uh, but that we would, uh, by your grace and by the salvation that's in your Son, that uh, we would... Uh, trust in you and trust in your son and uh, we would grow uh, in conformity to uh, his likeness uh, and that we would uh, grow to uh, love and serve you uh, all the more uh, because you have given us all things and I pray that it would be our heart's desire to uh, give them all right back to you and so uh, we give you all the thanks uh, and praise and glory and uh, pray that uh, you would use your word to uh, save and to convict and to uh, build us all up uh, in your uh, word and by your Holy Spirit. And we pray in your son's name. Amen.